I'm Diana, and I love printing and design, typography and branding, books and publishing. I've traveled the world learning about trends to share with my students and with my readers. But I haven't forgotten where I started, writing papers about paper on paper. And now, I've created a podcast to share what I know with you. So, let's talk paper scissors. So which is it? Tomato or tomato? And while we're at it, is it a typeface or is it a font? Are they synonymous or is there a difference? Wait, can you hear that? Listen really closely. Yes, I hear it. Type snobs around the world yelling in unison. Yes, of course there's a difference between a font and a typeface. Well, I wholeheartedly agree. However, I confess that I have been known to use the two interchangeably. But I do solemnly swear that I will do my best not to confuse the two and use them in their appropriate context thus forevermore. Let's break down the difference between a typeface and a font. A typeface is the unique design of letter forms. It's the beauty, the creativity, the art established by the type designer. Helvetica is an example of a typeface. So is Times New Roman, so is Comic Sans, if you can call that art. Typefaces often exist in family units, for example, thin, bold, condensed, and so on. And that the type designer has intended those different family units to work together. A font, on the other hand, is the technical execution of a typeface. So for example, 12-point Helvetica New Bold is an example of a font. It exists as a single size of a single weight, of a single width, of a single style of typeface. Let me say that again. It exists as a single size, of a single weight, of a single width, of a single style of typeface. In modern meaning, a font is a file that allows users to install, access, and output the design. It's really the delivery mechanism for the typeface's beautiful letter forms. Font files hold algorithms or instructions that allows a font file to be visible on screen and processed for printing. Now imagine the various aspects of a single typeface are clothes in your closet. Let's call our make-believe type closet wardrobia.otf. You've got lots to choose from. Different widths, skinny jeans and track pants. Different weights, light tees and heavy sweaters. Different styles, casual and formal. And sizes, clothes that used to fit and the ones that fit now. Although you've got lots to choose from, you'll only ever wear one outfit at a time. While your closet contains all aspects of a typeface, your outfit choice represents the font. So while we're on the topic of nomenclature, let's talk letter case. And by that, I mean uppercase versus lowercase letters. Back when letterpress was the primary printing technology, there were these things called type cases. A type case holds all the little metal letter forms that make up a type face. One type face equals one type case. This chest of drawers contains perhaps 10 to 20 long skinny drawers all on top of one another that pull out. Each drawer contains one single size of type. 
for example, 10-point or 12-point type. Now imagine using Microsoft Word or Google Docs or any other word processing software today. You have the ability to change the size of a given font on a whim. It's easy. You just choose the point size that you think will work best, and then you sit at your computer for the next 20 minutes trying to decide whether you're going to go with the 11 point that looks a little daintier on the page or use the more standard 12 point size to make your essay fill up that much more room on the page there by making it appear meatier than it actually is. I mean, you're only human. But changing the size of the type in a given design when letterpress printing is not as easy because each drawer houses all of the type of one single size. So compositors would pull out the appropriate drawer when they began their work and much like the fast typists of today's modern world of computing, for example you, these historical typists were also very quick to pull out the letters they needed because they were arranged much like the keys on a keyboard in the same location in every type drawer. There was actually a standard map to follow as to where to find each letter, but sometimes there would be a mix-up, especially if an inexperienced, or perhaps tired, or perhaps slowly dying of lead poisoning, ooh, printer's apprentice, whose task it was to put all of the type back in the case after the print job was over, mixed up similar looking letters. B's looked like D's after all, and P's looked like Q's. In fact, the print shop is where the colloquial phrase, mind your P's and Q's, originates. In other words, be on your best behavior, or watch what you're doing. Mind your P's and Q's. As I've described above, there was originally one large typecase for each typeface, but then divided cases were developed. These were pairs of cases, one containing small letters or minuscules, uh, which were housed in the lower drawers, while the ones containing capital letters or majuscules were housed in the upper drawers. The compositor would remove two drawers to do their work. The small letters from the lower cases and the capital letters from the upper cases. Wait a second. I see what they did there. This slang stuck and most of us don't go around reminding our technologically needy coworkers not to yell at us in all majuscules when composing an email. But, you know, maybe this would have a more lasting effect. I don't know. Getting back to the matter at hand. Yes, it ultimately does matter how you refer to a typeface versus a font, especially if you're working on your Girl Guide Type Snobbery Badge. There is a difference. But will the type police hand you a ticket for mixing them up once in a while? Mm, not very likely. If you are ever slapped with a type citation from said police, perhaps say, may I ask for your font-giveness while I mind my P's and Q's? Mm, too much? I'm going to end this episode with one of my favorite office typography moments. This little gem of a scene takes place at the beginning of Season 3, Episode 7, Branch Closing. In this opener, Jim is seen sending an early morning fax from his new station at the Stamford branch office, and talking directly at camera, he reveals. So, from time to time, I send Dwight faxes. From himself. From the future. Dwight Schrute, reading the fax. Dwight, at 8 a.m. today, someone poisons the coffee. Do not drink the coffee. More instructions will follow. Cordially, Future Dwight. He sees Stanley about to drink the coffee and sprints across the office, knocking the cup out of Stanley's hand. No! After knocking the cup on the floor. You'll thank me later. And there you have it. Another episode is in the books. Thanks for hanging out with me, and I look forward to the next time we get to talk paper scissors.
Also, it's tomato. Thank you.